0: Welcome to Dad's Decades, episode number five. I'm Brad Irwin. People who knew my dad as a Christian minister over his decades of pastoral work in the Church of Christ may think that he dropped fully formed out of the sky. That is, that his Christian faith and Christian life were always just there. But as we started to learn in the last episode, that is not the case. Dad did not really know why he believed what he believed. Growing up in a preacher's family himself, Christianity is just what Irwin's did. In this episode, we cover what dad himself called his difficult years from 1968 to around 1972. As the 1960s came to an end, dad cared about one thing and one thing only, having a good time. But when he had so much fun that he got kicked out of college, he had to face grown-up life head-on. After narrowly missing getting drafted to go to Vietnam, Dad spent a couple of years wondering what he was going to do with the rest of his life. More important, he started to wonder about the Christian faith he got from his parents. Was it really true? Was it really worth anything? Listen in, and let's find out together. This is Dad's Decades, episode number five, the 1970s, part one. Okay, Dad, we are back, and... uh... This episode is supposed to be about the 1970s, but I'm going to back up to 1968 and cheat a little bit because uh, in the last episode, the 1960s episode, you called the last two years of the 1960s uh, your your difficult years. And, uh, and so I feel like that's a good place to start. Um, what did you mean when you called the last couple of years of the sixties, your, your difficult years. Okay. Of course I turned 16 in 66,
1: started driving a car in 66. Um, <clears throat> I wasn't a real good driver. I was a reckless driver. I uh, did some really dumb things with the car. Uh, did some dumb things with my friends. You know, we didn't do anything that was a felony or a crime, but we just did some really silly things. Uh, just out of immaturity, I guess, and, and pure foolishness. Uh, the, my grades in school kind of reflected that in high school. Um, I mean, I had a bunch of good friends. I went to a really good school. Uh, we were, for all practical purposes, good, good kids, good young people, but just did some dumb things. I became a Christian in 66. That changed my thinking a lot, but I still had a lot of immaturity in me. I still had a lot of the old Trav in me. So as a result, um, I still was doing stupid stuff. Um, I was growing in some areas, but not growing in others. That's 66, 67. I went into the 12th grade, looking for I was looking forward to getting out of school. Um, I just wanted out. And um, 67 was a good year. That's the fall of 67. Then we went into the winter and spring of 68. Um, squeaked by on a couple of uh, classes. Uh, I tell the story about my English literature class. Uh, how I did not let Mama and Papa, your Mama and Papa, my mom and dad, see my grades because they would have made me go to summer school. So I just didn't show them the card. Not graduated. Mm-hmm. I mean, I squeaked by. I got by, but I, I had been to summer school so many times before, and I hated summer school and I wanted out. So. That's a little deception there, I guess. What you call that? But you know, looking back over the last two or three years, they were good years. I just did some really dumb things, and I'm glad I wasn't hurt. I'm glad nobody else was hurt. Um, nobody was hurt that I know of. Um, there were good years. A little bit of rebellion there, but that then that kind of kind of went into the college years as well. <clears throat> the first two years of college, '69 and '70, and part of '71 when uh, I was adjusting the college. I lived at home, had my own car, came and came and went as I wanted to, as I, as I needed to, had a job, um, went to class. Pretty much all my friends had gone their different directions. And I was uh, going to class, different classes, trying to discover what I really wanted to do. And I think I did. After about three to six months, I figured I didn't did not want to go into accounting but I didn't have a clue what I wanted to do. But I just kept going to school and taking all the liberal arts classes and uh, <clears throat> doing fair, fairly well with them. I just wasn't passionate about <clears throat> an education. Don't ask me why, I don't know. Immaturity, immaturity is, is a lot of it, I'm sure. I, I wasn't thinking about one day, I'm gonna to have to make a living. One day my mother and dad are gonna die and I'm going to, have to take care of myself. Or one day I'm gonna to have to move out and take care of myself. And I was just enjoying the good life and working and making a little bit of money, and driving and and hanging out and going to school and skipping class, and going to the filming of the Johnny Johnny Cash show on Thursday nights, stuff like that. And yep. that's why my grades plummeted with the, the and I was warned several times if your grades keep plummeting, you're gonna be you're not gonna be asked to come back to school, you're gonna be asked to stay out for a year. I thought, okay, sure, <laughs> well, it happened, and that's when I went went one A with my draft card, and of course that was during the during Vietnam. That was probably the height, or the height of the Vietnam conflict, and of course there was a lot of anti-Vietnam, uh, cynicism, cynicism. Did I say that right? Sentimentality in our country. Uh, it was a Very sad time. Very divisive time. Much like it is right now in our country and uh that is that is a fear that kind of drove me but did not drive me enough to make good grades and do do better than i did so uh i just basically flunked out of school so well,
0: let me ask you let me sure. back up all right so Go you ahead. called i i started by asking you about the difficult years that was uh-huh. you know about 68 to you know 60 you started in 66 when you were 16 uh-huh. and took us very quickly through 1970 um nothing you said sounded like it was difficult except for your grades it sounds more to me like those were your fun years so (laughs) why do you categorize them as difficult years when it sounds like you were having a lot of fun was it it real were you really having a lot of fun or were you having fun outwardly but feeling some things inwardly that weren't um you know were you having any dissonance about, about your lifestyle is what I'm asking. Uh, By dissonance, you mean conflict? Yeah. 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 So you were having a good time. I mean, that's what you've said over and over again. You were having a good time perhaps endangering people's lives. And we'll talk about that in a minute, but it it sounds like you, life was fun. You know, life was good. I think you said that. So why do you, why do you say difficult? Well, it's difficult because I know I knew what
1: was right I knew what I should be doing but I wasn't doing that so I had this tremendous amount of fear and this tremendous amount of guilt and uh, I felt I didn't I didn't feel good about life I mean I felt good about what I was doing in a way I had fun like you said but it wasn't the right kind of fun and so I, I struggled with that I wasn't unhappy and I wasn't rebellious and I wasn't in danger, of going to jail. I wasn't destroying property, and acting totally irresponsibly. I was irresponsible, though. But it's just there was a conflict. You know, I had the little had the angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other shoulder, and there was a constant fight there. And I tried to live two lives. I tried to live the life of a of a Christian young man and and make everybody think I was a good guy, but then on the other hand, I was this uh, guy that loved to have fellow that loved to have a good time and um do some things that were questionable not horribly terrible but not good and so there was that there was that conflict and it just 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 uh and i wasn't i wasn't getting ahead i wasn't i wasn't accomplishing what my parents wanted me to accomplish and that is get an education and move on and i was um retarding that progress. I wasn't thriving. It wasn't their fault, it's my fault. I, I was more of a follower than a leader and whatever the guys wanted to do, that's what I did. I didn't question it, but I knew if my father found out, I'd be a dead man, you know? But there, there was that conflict. And that's why I say the horrible years are difficult years. I put myself in that situation. I think a lot of people put themselves in that situation when they refuse to make a decision one way or the other hopefully for doing what's right and saying no, no, no. And I didn't say no, no, no. I wanted to be accepted. And one of my friends to like me.
0: You said earlier that you were shy. So one of the ways that you characterized yourself growing up is that you were shy. Yeah. Uh, Were you still shy during these years? Yeah. Okay. And you said you were a follower. What was your, you went to college, you went to high school and college Basically, at the same place. You went to Lipscomb Academy for for high school, and then uh, you went to David Lipscomb College. And uh, so, I, I imagine the people that you were around in high school were some of the same people that you were around in college. Uh, what was your reputation? What what did what did people on campus think of Travis Irwin in those years? You talking about
1: high school or college?
0: Yeah, I'm kind of blending them a little bit just because you you were in the same circle of people from from late high school to early college. Um, what was your reputation?
1: Well, my circle of friends in high school was different from my circle of friends in, in college. Okay. Okay, With the exception of maybe one or two people. And I would suppose in high school, uh, but I'm just guessing because I've never had anyone come tell me. Uh, or call me a name in high school I'm just assuming they thought I was kind of quiet and I hung out with a certain with a certain group of guys and we were just kind of kind of goof off the guys I hung out with were not were not um unintelligent they were very intelligent young men and they have done very well with their lives since that time but they were just kind of silly and a little bit rebellious nothing like young people like we see some young people today are but enough and I was and and I think people would say you're a follower you're not you're not an achiever you're a follower and I think I think some people would say you have the ability to do anything you want to do you have the intelligence but you're just not using it I guess that's what I heard from my parents more than anything else but I think that's probably what some of the the other kids the uh the achievers in my class would say about me and the leaders in my class would say about me what would the
0: girls say about you?
1: Um, they, pro- you know, my uh, reaction to that is this: they probably probably didn't know I, I existed, even though they did. And you know, I, I spoke to them; they spoke to me. that. I mean, the people I went to school with were just high caliber people, and I really mean that. Uh, they were high caliber people then; they're high caliber people now. <coughs> I would say the, the girls would probably think I was shy,
0: which is true. So it sounded like your your motivation, you had two you had two motivations at this time in your life. One was to have a good time, which seemed to yeah. be the strongest motivation. Yeah. Uh, you said yourself, you weren't thinking ahead to, to life yeah. later on. Uh, yeah. Sounds like you didn't like school at all. School was just in the way of what you really wanted to be doing. So you're motivated by fun. Uh, and on the other hand, it seems like you were motivated by fear of your parents. So... Yeah. Would you say the thing that kept you on the straight and narrow, you know, at right. least putting in minimum effort was your fear of, of, of your dad and mom? What, what were you afraid they would do? I was, I was afraid I would hurt my
1: mother, which I did hurt my mother several times because she was working hard so we could get this good education in this Christian institution. And uh, I was, I didn't always take care of my clothes and not take care of my room um uh, and so that hurt her because she was working hard. She was going at life as hard and fast as she could go to raise us three kids and give us what we needed while my dad was out traveling. So I was afraid I'd hurt her. Um she could she could dress me down pretty good with the, with a lecture and would and hurt, you know, but I I hurt her more than anything else. The other, I, I was afraid of my dad that dad wouldn't physically arm me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, And so I didn't want that, you know, and I, I cannot think of anything uh, more fearful than to know that dad comes home at the end of the week. And I haven't been a good boy all week. And my mother tells my dad, Travis has been a real pain this week. Cause I mean, it'd be bad. I'd probably get grounded for one thing at, at that age. I may get, I may, get whippen, may get a whooping at age 16 or 17. I may get a whooping. But I'd probably definitely lose my driver's license and lo- lose my transportation. I'd be grounded. And uh, I just didn't want that. So I was afraid of, afraid of those kind of things. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And yet that fear was not strong enough. As long as you could not get caught, it sounds like. As, as long, long as, as you could stay under the radar. Right, right. So you talked about bad decisions you made and, uh, immaturity, uh, the first thing you mentioned was your car. And, uh, so I, I guess that some of the poor decision-making had to do with, with driving.
1: Well, the, the first time years before I got my own car, we had uh, a Volkswagen convertible and, (laughs) uh, a, fr- a bunch of friends of mine and I wanted to go downtown Nashville. Well, you know, I was the only driver. I was the oldest guy. and I was the cool dude, you know. I had a driver's license and had a set of keys. But we were supposed, as all three of us children, well, my sister and I were the only ones driving at the time. We had to get permission. Our parents were pretty lenient. And in those days, back in the 60s, Nashville, Tennessee was a different town than it is now. It's a lot It was a lot safer then, a lot less traffic. So, but my parents wanted permission you know just hey Timmy would you like tell me where you're going what time you'd be back blah 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 who you're going with blah blah blah. So I was trying to be cool with my friends. They said would you ta- they asked me would you take us downtown We want to look at motorcycles I said sure let's do it. So I, I don't know if we skipped class that day I think we did and we walked all the way across campus <clears throat> and jumped into our Volkswagen and I took off. I thought, this is great, this is cool stuff, and no one's going to know,
2: <laughs> oh boy,
1: <laughs> your sins will find you out, my father was downtown, and he saw us, and he tried to get our attention, but we were having too much fun, and in, in the car, and I never saw him, but that night, I got home, <laughs> and boy, whoo, it, it was bad, but, uh, but they caught up with me, <laughs> you know, you try to, you do a lot of things that you think your parents will never find out about because you're doing it with your friends at, at this time and place and your parents are way over here somewhere. But no, you know they're like Santa Claus or like the Lord himself. They're, they know what's going on. And, and, and sometimes my parents' friends would tell them about my driving or about something about me, which made me angry. But anyway, I got caught uh, taking the car and my mother was crying. <laughs> my dad was mad, so... That's what I came home to, I thought someone had died in our family because my mother was crying. And I thought, who died? And little did I know, I was the guy getting ready to die. So <laughs> it's funny now, but it was not funny right. then. It was, it will probably never be funny to them. So anyway, that's the kind of, kind of silly st- stuff that I tried to get away with when I was younger. And I, I learned the hard way that parents are everywhere sometimes.
0: Did you, uh, did you drink? Did you ever drink?
1: I didn't try drinking till I was uh, older, till I was in my early twenties. Um, and I did that because I was a follower. And I did that with some some uh, cousins and I'm ashamed of that.
0: I was drinking something you, like some people get into it for a while. Um, some people try it once and never do it again. Were you someone that kind of went along with it for a while or you tried once or twice and that was that was it for you?
1: I only tried once. Only tried once, and really, I did it as a follower, and uh, I shouldn't have done it then. But I did it as a follower, and once the once the my cousins left, I no, I no longer did it again that I can remember. I just, I did. It, it didn't appeal to me. Alcohol and I, I, alcohol and I don't get along too well. Yeah, am so fortunate there on that. But did you anyway. ever have
0: an opportunity to try drugs of any kind?
1: Uh, the, the drugs were around us. Uh, I was afraid of drugs. I'm still afraid of drugs. I'm 71 years old, and yeah. I, I'm afraid of them. And so, I have uh, I've never had any desire to uh, get high or try any any uh, mind altering drugs. I just I just don't like them. I don't. I've been on them when I had cancer. I had to take a lot of high powered drugs. I didn't like them then. And I got off them as soon as I
0: could. I'm ticking down through the list of, of typical vices that tempt teenagers and young college students. Um, smoking. You're did you ever about,
1: you're talking about 50 years ago too? Yeah. Smok- oh, yeah, we tried smoking several times. Hated that, got sicker than a dog, coughed <laughs> my brains out. Yeah. It
0: just did not appeal to me. I'm fortunate. Some... Yeah, someday i hope daniel interviews me for a podcast like this and i can tell my my smoking stories (laughs) they're pretty bad um what about like rock and roll i mean this is the late 60s so you've got a lot of um you know you got a lot of music coming out that had to be upsetting to to the adults in your life right did you did you listen to any music that you felt like your parents wouldn't approve. Did you, I mean, you mentioned you'd, you'd cut class to go watch Johnny Cash, you know, record his show down at the Ryman. I mean, were there concerts or any places that you went that you knew your parents would not want you to go or music that was, you know, you you tried to hide from them.
1: i tell you what uh, I was very much into music. And I had my own recorder, I had my own guitars, I had my own amplifier, I had my own stereo, I had the big speakers, I had the whole whole nine yards. And I, I played it, I, I could play it all on guitar. I can't do it today, but I could then. So I enjoyed listening to music and playing guitar. In college, sometimes I skip class just to go home and play and play with the music, listen to the music and it would be loud, but nobody else would be in the house. So who cares, right? when whenever uh whenever our, my dad was around, I didn't play music. He didn't like any kind of noise. I mean none. Hmm. He he wanted everybody to be quiet and not move. <laughs> that's the way I, that's the way I would describe it. Uh, you've heard the story that my friend John came over one night after getting off work and he wanted to go shoot pool. Well, I, we always shot shot pool on Friday night. Well, dad got home early Friday night and dad would let me go. I was 21 years old, dude. <laughs> So, you know, used to, you know, dad didn't want us going anywhere. So, so no music for dad. We never listen to music on the radio in the car. Never, ever, never, ever write that down. I thought, why don't we have a radio in the car? So, but during the week, <clears throat> your mamma, my mom was more open to that. I didn't play it loud, but it did play it constantly. And I'm not saying she liked the Beatles. I'm not saying she liked uh, uh, Grassroots or whoever was playing at the time, but, you know, she accepted that and i and i appreciated that but there were there were times i realized that no one not even my brother probably would like loud music and i had those times just set aside for myself when sometimes i just listened to it sometimes i played played alone but uh, uh you know uh, why, why uh we didn't play music around dad it more than is more than likely because he didn't like noise he wanted peace and quiet, and you to sit still and not go anywhere. Stay in the house where he knew, knew where you were. Hmm. So that was my life. <clears throat> and when you, when I raised my three children, I thought they're not going to live like that. Now they may think I treated them like that, but that's not true. But uh, I wanted to give y'all as much freedom as possible, at least more than I had.
0: Why? Uh, two really important questions: what, what bands, what musicians did you really like to listen to and play along with? Well,
1: i'd have to go in there and look at my old records uh, to tell you that uh the you mentioned the beatles i'm just trying to think of who else was, all the british groups <coughs> were big um Free dog night uh, james taylor was coming in the uh, later during that time um
0: chicago I'm thinking Chicago. through all the old vinyl you used to have when I was a kid, so you had a lot of Beatles, James Taylor, Three Dog Night, Chicago.
1: Yeah, Chicago was huge. You had some bread. What, what's that?
0: You had some bread.
1: Bread. Had bread, I had a lot of 45s, I had a lot of 33s. Um, Johnny Rivers was another good one. Um, uh. I didn't, I really didn't have any Elvis. Uh, I didn't have any Roy Orbison. I have some of that now, but I didn't have it back then. Um, That's kind of the, that's kind of the main
0: ones. So uh, why, uh, why do you think Papa wanted everybody to stay in together and be quiet? I think it, I think dad
1: was that way because he was gone all week. And I think dad missed his family and he wanted his family near him when he was home. He didn't want to come home to an empty house.
2: Hmm.
1: He didn't want to come. I'm just saying what I think he believed. I don't know. I don't know. To this day, I don't know. My mom may have, I know my mom probably has a better idea, but he was gone all week and he, he had, he'd worked hard all week. He was stressed and he didn't want anything else to stress him. And also he did not want to come home to an empty house. He wanted his children to be there. Uh, we didn't have to sit in his room and look at him or sit in the same room together, but he did not want us leaving the house. I don't think he, he wanted to worry about us where we were, what we were doing. Um, and He just wanted us nearby. We didn't, I mean, he had things for us to do. I mean, like cut the grass and do things like that, but um, I, I'm assuming that's why he wanted us there.
0: Did you, uh, so here's a, what may be an embarrassing question uh who taught you about sex like the way you've described you the way you've described your relationship with your dad i can't imagine that your dad sat you down and had a you know series of conversations with you like you did with me but how did you how did you learn about sex <laughs> uh the boys locker room uh
1: the chatter among the boys which is not a good way um I'm trying to think what else. Dad gave me a book and I'm looking, I don't, it's not, I don't, I don't have my books in front of me anymore. And that book's gone anyway. It's. A, it was a book on sex. It was basically written by doctors, written, written from a medical standpoint, well-written book, don't misunderstand, but very, very mechanical, but not much in it about um, morals. But I knew what morals were. I understood what morals were all about. But but basically, Dad just hand, hand me a book about an inch thick. Did they go? And I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. And I look through, looked at the pictures, of course, you know, and read a little bit. But um, I, I basically I when I, by the time I got married, I was still learning. I was still reading and and learning about it. And I'm seventy one years old, and I'm still learning about it. So. The answer to answer your question my dad tried i i give i give me for effort that's more than some fathers do but a lot of stuff i learned was from the from the guys and that's not the best that is not the best place to learn it they didn't have a clue right. what they were talking about yeah they just talked about you know or you know sexual organs and stuff like that you know, I was a follower and I went along with it. I'm ashamed to say it.
0: With sex, uh, you know, I feel like for most teenagers, most Christian teenagers, that may be the, um, maybe the biggest issue, right? I don't want to call it a vice because it's not, but that may be the biggest issue. I mean, how big of a, you dated, right? I mean, you had girlfriends and I mean, how how big a, a deal was avoiding having sex or um, for, for you? I mean, you
1: know, in those, in those well. days, in those days, there was not the pressure that there is today. Hmm. Uh, there was never the, and I dated Christian girls. I know Christian girls have sex outside of marriage, by the way. But the girls I dated, I didn't date that many in high school. I dated probably a dozen in college. <clears throat> a dozen? All, pardon? A dozen? Well, I I think so. I could come up wow. with six or seven names pretty quick. <clears throat> uh never got real close to a lot of them. I did get close to one. And she was the one that was really tempting.
2: Hmm.
1: But I knew better. And she knew better too. But that's beside the point. Um, but you know, I I didn't have that temptation then, like young, young people nowadays. I don't think they're tempted. I just think they expect it for one another, and they do it mm-hmm. in the story. So it's a completely different world now. This, you know, this world's different now than it was when I was a kid. And I, I lived in kind of a bubble. I lived in a Christian bubble. Most of the people I dated and spent time with were Christians, and so we knew what was expected, what what we should avoid, what we should do. But I never had that temptation. Uh, well, almost I did have that temptation, but I knew. I knew where to stop Mm -hmm. and
0: the girl knew where to stop. So what was, uh, what was your church life like during this period in your life? You were having a good time from the sound of it. Um, and most of what you talked about are the good times you were having with friends. And then there was school, which was just kind of in the way of what you really wanted to do. Uh, what was church life like?
1: That's a great question.
0: Church uh, Church
1: became more important. Um, I got to, I got to teach a Bible class when I was about sixteen years old. A man by the name of, A man by the name of John Hubbard took me aside and said, uh, "I'd like for you to help me teach my junior high class on Sunday morning. Would you be interested?" And I thought, "Why?" I thought, "Well, why not?" So I went to class with John uh, every Sunday morning, just religiously. And I was, I was a, a big man on campus. I was a, uh, I think I was a, probably a junior or senior in high school and later a college kid. And so you know, these are little like sixth graders and seventh graders, right? <coughs> Excuse me. And so I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm cool, right? I drive a car, you know? And so I learned how to, I learned how to teach. And it was kind of rough. But he took time and helped me, and so that was going on in church. I got to make comments at the Lord's table uh, during church, and that was this big church with a lot of PhDs sitting out in the assembly.
0: Which church was that?
1: At that time, it was Harpeth Hills.
0: Harpeth Hills Church. Harpeth of Hills has about
1: fifteen hundred members now. It's a huge church on Hickory Boulevard in Nashville. Um, but you know, we were we were well known and pretty well respected. Um, it's just you know you went to church and you, you were very prim and proper and you wore your uh, nice clothes and you sat up straight and uh, you spoke to you spoke when you were spoken to or you spoke to people had just a few young friends there are not many young friends most of the a lot of our members there were college professors at Lipscomb <clears throat> good people very good people very solid people I tell you the story. One time, Papaw took me to your dad, your Papaw, my dad, took me to a men's business meeting, and we were driving out to the church, which which was a pretty good ways away from where we lived. And he told me all about men's business meetings. I'd never been to a men's business meeting before, for church, and he told me all about it. And uh, he prepared me for it. He prepared me well for it. And he says, he says, sometimes we disagree. We get a little bit loud, but we still love each other. And I just want you to understand that it's okay. And I thought, is there going to be a fight or something like that? You know, there was no fight. There was no yelling. There was no screaming. There was no raising of voices. All the men got along very well and and talked about the work of the church there. So that was an experience I had too. Those kind of, that stands out in my mind. Um, My sister got married there. Um, You know, we were we were pretty a big part of that
0: church and um, it was a good experience was uh, can you remember the first time or the first few times that you taught the class or spoke in the full assembly? I could remember the first time I led
1: the thoughts at the Lord's table what we was had, that
0: like? tell, that tell was, us about that
1: That was terrible it was. <laughs> For me, it was, it's you know, you, these all all these people are sitting there, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to quote, I'm trying to be really cool, I'm trying to quote scripture, and my voice, <laughs> my voice cracked. So I was going
0: through puberty, you know, late yeah. puberty. So you were they, what you know, sixteen, about 16? 16, 17
1: Yeah, well, I think then I was about eighteen or nineteen. Okay. Uh, but uh, that I, that was still, I, I don't know, I think I was still in high school then. <clears throat> what what was happening in our family at that time dad was running the dry cleaner so I was going to school and working there and trying to have fun which I didn't have because I didn't have any time but we were, the church thing was was good and then um by 1970 or 19 1968 I went into college and still worked in the dry cleaning dry cleaner some and we finally sold that got rid of that and then I get it I get into uh my turn 20 21 22 we'll talk about this maybe later but uh i started preaching i did some preaching and there were always some guys that would go with me and they'd lead singing lead prayer and maybe i would preach and maybe they would preach we took turns doing that we all jump in our car jump in our car crowd in there and go out in the country to some small church and and hold the church services for them and later on, I would just simply either go by myself and sometimes my dad would go with me later on. Your mom would go with me before we were married. That's how young we were. And my good friend John and his uh, wife would go. So there's that that's beginning to evolve and turn into something. And I really didn't want to preach. I wanted nothing to do with preaching, but I, don't, I didn't mind filling in uh, later on during that time in the early 70s i did get married i don't know if you want me to talk about that now or not we'll get to it in a little bit okay well i'll leave that alone go ahead
0: well i i i want to ask uh you said uh, the man who invited you to teach class with you right uh was um, john hubbard was that his name right why did john hubbard pick you and ask you, you to, to join him
1: you got me, I, I like to know that, I like to know the answer to that. I think it's one one or two, three different reasons or possibilities. One is he saw potential. Uh, number two, he was desperate and needed somebody to help him. <laughs> or I, I, I would not put anything past my parents in asking him to do that. And I don't have a problem with any of those. He got me teaching. Your mom started teaching the very same way.
2: Hmm.
1: And so I've been teaching for 55 years that's a long time you asked me about the the first time i taught i can't i can't remember the details but it probably was very dry very boring
0: did you enjoy it did i enjoy it yeah do you do you did you enjoy it enough to think i want to keep doing this on my own or were you only doing it at that time because someone asked someone
1: i I like the attention of the girl of the young girls Hmm. they thought i was superman yeah but uh i kept i kept being asked to teach there's two reasons why you're so- that you're sometimes asked to teach one is you're very good at it the other is they're desperate yeah so i think they were desperate for teachers and they asked me and i continued to teach on up through there I did a lot of I did a lot of teaching at vacation bible school um and then of course i got into youth work and, and more preaching, so that happened later. So yeah, that's, that's what's going on in high school. <clears throat> why did you uh, Why did you go to David Lipscomb College? It that was a given. In other words, we had moved to Nashville in 1962 to to enter Lipscomb High School, Junior High, and Elementary, because Papa, your Papa, my dad wanted us to experience Christian education. Yaha, great, not a problem. Well, Mamaw is working at Lipscomb, which uh, helps us go to Lipscomb. We couldn't have done it without her working at Lipscomb because she got a discount. So it was just understood that when you graduate from high school, you just go across campus now. And you start college over there. And we didn't have a, we didn't have a problem with that. Uh, your, my mom did threaten me one time. She says, if you flunk out of school, I'll send you to a state college. Is that what you want? I said no. I want to stay here. He said, "Well, you better straighten up," hmm. which I didn't. <clears throat> and I, I never did go to a state college. And I have nothing against state colleges, but it was just understood when you graduate from high school, you will be going across campus to the college.
0: And did your parents pay your college tuition, or did you have to take care of that yourself?
1: They did that. Um, I paid. I paid some of it. Um, in fact, I think I paid um, just about all of it. Is that right? Um, no, let me take that back. They paid that. I'm sure I am sure I've paid some things, but it wasn't a zillion dollars a quarter like it is now. Mm-hmm. And then when I got married, when I got married, the money was really super tight and they helped me then as well without the discount for about a year and a half.
0: When did... Uh... Papa owned the dry cleaners. What years was he in that business? I'm thinking
1: my junior, I want to say sophomore, but I really don't think so. My junior, senior years of high school, and maybe the first two years of my college. I'm thinking three or four years. It was the longest three or four years of my life, and I'm sure it was for him too. You were working with him at the dry cleaners, right? There was a time when I ran it all by myself. Oh, is that right? Papa wanted to get off the road. He was in church finance. He wanted to get off the road, be home more. And the dry cleaners provided that means. But then after a while, he just could not make a living in the dry cleaner. So he went back on the road again, and I took it over. But we did work side by side a lot. And many times, of course, during the week when I was in school, he pretty much, He he didn't run it by himself, there were other people that worked there. But after a while, he had to let everybody in the the dry cleaners go because he couldn't pay them. Mm. That was during the time whenever uh, permanent press clothes were coming into vogue and uh, people didn't have to take their clothes and their shirts and everything to the dry cleaners. They could just wash them and hang them up and they were ready to wear the next day. Mm. So it was a bad time to get into the dry cleaning business. My dad did not know that he was not a businessman. So anyway, it didn't. It wasn't working out real well. And so I would go out there after school uh, when I was in school and help, They'd close up, come home, do the same thing six days a week, all day Saturday. Um, sometimes we had to go out there Sunday and fix something. It was all the way across town in East Nashville, out on Gallatin Road. And uh, when I was in college, College made it more difficult because in college your schedule, excuse me, your schedule is a lot more flexible. You have more control over it. But we got we got through it. I mean, all three of us kids worked there. Your Uncle Paul worked there. Your Aunt Donna worked there. Mamaw didn't work there because she had her own job. She was, as the old saying goes, pedaling as fast as she could go, uh, being a homemaker and working full
0: time. So, what I hear you saying is your dad you and your dad didn't always work there together a lot. He relied on you to give him a break or, or cover for him when he couldn't be there for some reason. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, I, I'd help out. I'd go, I'd go open up. And then he'd come in later. So 90, 80% of the time, 90% of the time he would go open up. Yeah. And uh, then I come in, I come in about three 30 and stay there for about three hours, two and a half, three hours and leave. Close it up.
0: Yeah. So uh 1970. You were half you were uh in your sophomore year of college. You said your grades were not good. Uh, this was the year that the dean asked you to take a break. Is that right? About 1970. It's probably uh
1: I'm thinking, I'm already thinking that is a little bit later now because in 71, I was still in school
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I was dating, dating quite a few young ladies and, uh, having a good time. And, uh, that's that I, I was getting the warning from the, from the Dean that I would not be allowed to come back. And I think it was, um, I met your mom in 72 and uh, I got back in school that fall. No, 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 no. I got back in school, let me think. Wow. Okay, I met your mother in January 72, uh, was engaged that fall and then married her in February 73. And I got back into school in the fall of 73. So. 70, 71, 72. 72, I was kind of, um, I guess I was out of school then. Pretty sure of that. But uh, somewhere in 71 or 72,
0: the dates are kind of foggy right now. So the, the dean, you, you got a warning that if you didn't get your grades up, you were going to be kicked out of college. Uh, and then it happened can you remember the day you found out that you were being asked to to take a break and and what that felt like? Yeah. I got a real empty feeling in my
1: stomach, a real, a real uh, weird feeling. Just like, wow, it did happen. And once again, my greatest fear was going one a with the uh, selective service, which I did.
0: You said everything uh,
1: everything that was predicted came to pass.
0: Yeah. So you uh, you found out that Lipscomb College didn't want you to come back <laughs> uh, I imagine you had to tell your parents
1: I don't know if my parents were copied with the same letter or not. I don't remember right now, but they, they had anything, to find out so yeah I mean you know my mother worked in the in the administrative building I mean you know sure she she knows
0: she knows. Yeah, how did they react? What happened when your parents found out? Do you remember Basically, that? I told you so. Mm.
1: And that gave me an opportunity. If I remember correctly, that did give me an opportunity to work for dad, work for my dad a little bit. Um, At the dry cleaner? Yeah, you know, more than I had before. That's, but it's kind of an interesting story is that as time went along, he tried to sell the dry cleaning business. Nobody wanted it, you know, for obvious reasons. <clears throat> and then he found a man that wanted to buy it the man looked at it he, want, he wanted to buy it and so I met this guy I, I drove all the way across town to meet this man one night after the story closed he, and this guy looked at me and he said do you want to do this the rest of your life? what do you mean? he said do you want to work in a draft risk the rest of your life? I said no sir he said you get back into school hmm. you get in school and I said okay thank you I'll do that and so that was that was a good lesson. Yeah.
0: yeah you uh you said you got your draft card i think last time you said you got your draft card within a week of, of dropping out of of lipscomb is that right
1: it was a matter of days oh, it, is, it was nuts so I, thought, I was shocked tell me what happened the day
0: you got your draft card
1: that is the day i dreaded the most you know getting a letter from the dean you think well okay I messed up, I I, I, work. I got a job if I wanted, not a problem. But you get the 1A thing, and, and, when you, and when you get 1A, you've heard all the stories about the boys that just, you know, they, they took off. They, uh, they had to join. They were forced to join. They had to pick a military. Well, by the time you're 1A, they pick the military you're going into, the military mm-hmm. branch you're going into. So I thought, well, here it is, here it is. And so I thought I'm on my way, and, I, and then I started getting try trying to and trying get psyched for um, boot camp and going to Vietnam, and I'd seen all these horrible stories and heard all these horrible stories, and I thought, wow. And I think that probably impre- in, uh, improved my prayer life, prayer life a lot too. Yeah. What happened is that we had a new president. His name was Richard Nixon and he did not abolish the draft as much as he had a lottery to determine who would go to vietnam and uh, one through the numbers 1 through 365 with a date for each you know the your a date for every, every number january 1 and so forth and my number about the first 100 about the 100 the first 160 170 numbers that were drawn those were the guys that were going to Vietnam. Well, my number was like 317. It was a really high number. Mm-hmm. That was that was an excruciating day, I promise you.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And when I found my number was 317, I, I thought, you don't have to go. Wow. A lot of my friends did go. So I just I don't know. Luck. Answer to prayer. What do you call it? I don't know but a lot of people went a lot of them didn't come back
0: any thousand? did any of your close friends uh go and not come back i had a friend i went to high school with
1: he went and he didn't come back uh heard of a lot of other people that went they didn't come back um, that that creates guilt
0: hmm. so you said this improved your prayer life yeah um you, you got kicked out of school, you got your draft card, you went through a period of you know, waiting and wondering if you were going to have to go. You said you were psyching yourself up to, to go to boot camp and go off to Vietnam. I and mean, just what, what was your overall state during that period of time in your life? Um, how did you feel about yourself? How did you feel about your life?
1: Well, I was looking back I was wasting my life um, just just uh, you're talking a you talking about a 20 21 22 year old man that has the maturity level of a 12 year old um, I just didn't uh, I just didn't know what to do um, other than work go to school and have a little bit of time just to have fun. And I just I I, I wasn't transitioning out of the puberty teenage years until the adult years, maybe the way I should. I never took life super serious. I wasn't I wasn't a a total goof off,
0: but I wasn't half serious about life. You're saying that getting kicked out of school and getting your draft card didn't change that. Even after those two things happened, you were still kind of. A 12-year-old, <laughs> mentally? Well, it, it did change things for a
1: few days. And, and here's, how, here's how it worked, you know. Great fear and trepidation have been kicked out of school. Fear and trepidation, I'm 1A. So I'm on my way, okay? Then they had this lottery, and I get a, I get a high number. Well, I revert back to the way I was before I got kicked out mm-hmm. of school and before I went to 1A. So, you know, you go from fear to just total relief. At least I did. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, but, I, but, but I had not changed, had not changed or grown through the process one bit.
2: Hmm.
1: So I'm still the same <clears throat> young man that I was before going 1A, than I was, you know, same, same guy before I went 1A. Uh, you know afterwards and you, um,
0: you mentioned that this man who came to buy the dry cleaner uh-uh. what he said to you and and you got choked up when you told the story yeah so you know, at what point during this time in your life your college dropout <clears throat> uh you're just basically working living at home right where you're living with your parents still yeah we're still i'm still at home mom okay. and dad
1: would leave in a few years uh, they would leave shortly and go back to Memphis. I also changed jobs. We did sell the dry cleaners. Mm-hmm. I started working for the phone company over in Green Hills. That's where it was at the time. Had a neat job, four hours a day. You know, it's about four or five dollars an hour, which was radical money back then. And uh, things were things were getting better. And I met uh, a man, a young man who lived there. His name was Jerry Love. Jerry knew what he wanted to do with his life and so jerry just being around jerry hanging out with jerry he was a good strong christian young man he influenced me a great deal and i started thinking more serious mm-hmm. i was very i was very interested with all the women i worked with in the in the mail room there for sure but he helped me start thinking a little bit more correctly he didn't realize he was doing it mm-hmm. but he was doing it i was still a follower um there was another guy that worked in the mail room. he was not a polished Christian man. He was He was an agnostic he kind of led me astray or I, I let him lead, lead me astray. But after a while, I finally had to make that decision. This uh, this man that was an agnostic, the young guy, I, w- I went to Sunday school with him when I was younger uh, and knew uh, his dad and everything, knew his family. But by the time he had come to the phone company, he was married and had a child on the way. Mm-hmm. He was an agnostic and he told he said, You can't prove to me that there's a God. I said, Sure can. He said, Well, do it. Go ahead. I'm listening. And he waited and he waited. And I I couldn't I couldn't come up with anything. So he re- that guy did me a tremendous favor. Jerry did me a tremendous favor by being a good, strong Christian man. And this other guy named Tom, he did me a great favor too. He says, You can't prove to me there's a God. And i couldn't now i could do it now i couldn't do it then at age 21 but i could do it now and so that was a great that was a great thing he did for me he just probably really really didn't realize it at the time so that made me start thinking about my faith in a more serious way and and i needed to present a better christian witness to the world than i was presenting so i started changing started growing and I started hanging out with people. I started hanging out with Jerry and with his friends and all his friends or a lot of his friends were going to be ministers and they were Bible majors. You know I felt kind of comfortable around those guys you know because I was a preacher's kid and so I was very impressed. My sister married a guy in 1970 that was a education director and a song leader and later a preacher and a missionary and he was a great mentor and a great friend, and he influenced me. And things started to gel. And uh, I was still single then, but that would change very quickly. This is about seventy-one. This is like seventy-one. Yeah, um, I had just I had just broken up with a girl. She broke up with me. She'd gone back home after graduating. That was a that was a difficult time for me too um that in fact that was right before losing my losing my um school and getting kicked out of school but things are beginning to turn around for whatever reason and i'm glad they are because uh i was kind of lost there for a while
0: yeah so you you're saying it sounds like two things were happening you got kicked out of school you dot you didn't dodge the draft but you dodged a bullet your your blood your Uh, lottery number didn't get called you were working at the phone company in the mailroom and you met these two people in the mailroom that you just mentioned by name jerry and tom and so jerry knew what he wanted to do with his life Mm -hmm. and there was something about him that appealed to you there was something about his life that appealed to you so you said you started hanging out with jerry and his friends a lot of them were going to be ministers uh aunt donna married uncle richard Richard, Uncle Richard, ended up being a minister, Um, and at the same time, Tom, who uh, you knew from growing up, uh, had lost his faith in God, and he really challenged you. So, uh, it sounds like you were having a crisis of of faith yourself, Mm -hmm. or there was a maybe this was the first time in your life you actually questioned what you believed no at the same time you were seeing someone who did believe it and was living in a way that appealed to you yeah i could have gone i
1: could have gone either way my faith was tested and it came up short Hmm. you know did i believe in god yeah did i go to church yeah i did all the did all the right things but i never knew why i was doing that this guy challenged me, and I and I chose. Okay, I'll take that. I'll take on that challenge, and I'll study for myself. I don't think he and I ever got back together on that discussion. Mm-hmm. I think he he put that job, move on to something else. Mm-hmm. But I did learn, and I'm still learning at age seventy one about evidences for that confirm my faith, and so. Um, and it made made me take my faith more serious Mm. yeah this is this is for real in other
0: words yeah yeah so you would you would look at 71 there as a year because your life as you've described it up to this point was it was moving it was was kind of moving along um i don't want to say a predetermined predetermined course but you know your parents moved you to nashville put you in lipscomb academy uh, you talked about how you were in a bubble, how you were sheltered. Uh, church was a big part of your life. School was a, you know, your friends were a big part of your life. It sounds to me like 71 was the year. You're out of school. You're afraid of getting drafted. You're about 21. I mean, you're legally a, a man, right? Um, the, the, the easy, you know, everything was moving along at, without much effort until this year and maybe this was the year it sounds like where you had to start making some decisions for yourself you had to grow up for yourself what do i really believe you know my faith my faith practice has always just been handed to me and i've always just been happy to go along with it but now someone's really challenging me and uh, you also met some people that were Showing you uh, a side of Christianity that you hadn't seen before that appealed to you, and so it seems like seventy one was a year that you started to turn. Did you know in seventy one where this was leading, or did you just were you even aware that your life was changing at that point? I just thought
1: I've got a new group of friends. Yeah, but but I could I could. I, it, but it began, it, it began to change because it affected the major that I had in college. It would affect my major. Yeah. It would change a major. I didn't have a major. Now I've got a major.
0: You would I, go I, back to college in 72, 73. So uh, you were, uh, August of 73, 73. Okay. So you were still, you were still a couple years away from actually going back to college. Uh, when you, in, in 71, So let's let's end it with this. Uh, You said you met mom in January of 72. Right. Okay. so you had a serious girlfriend. She broke up with you Mm -hmm. around the time that you got kicked out of school. (laughs) And then she graduated, she graduated and moved away. That relationship ended. So you lost a serious relationship. I know I've heard you talk about her before. So it sounds like you thought you might get married to her at some point. So she wasn't thinking that way, but I was right. So you lost her. You lost school. You nearly ended up going to Vietnam. Uh, 71, you go to work at the phone company. You meet Tom and Jerry. Right. (laughs) Uh, You start hanging out with a new group of friends. You're You're studying for yourself. You're really trying to find your own faith. Um, and then we get to January, 1972. Uh, how did you meet mom? On, on a
1: blind date. Okay. Our, our friends, John and Donna Temple, uh, we going with a youth group to skating. We were going to a nursing home to visit old folks, and then we're going to go skating afterwards. And they wanted me to meet your mom. So that's how I met her on a blind date and we went skating.
0: And tell tell me what were your first impressions of her. She was a young high school
1: girl and I was a college guy, long and short of it. She she could skate real well. I couldn't skate very well. I kind of hugged the wall quite a bit that night. But you know, she was nice. And boy, she didn't wait around. She just took off. She wasn't yeah. waiting for me, just took off about well. And uh, but it wasn't a formal date, so, you know, she had friends, she was with her friends, you know, she takes off, and I wasn't that good at skating, and I couldn't keep up with her, you, your
0: mother would say it was a terrible date, that's what <laughs> she would tell you, why did John and Donna think that, that uh, you two needed to meet, <laughs> I think they feel sorry for me, is that right, I think they felt sorry for me, well, if they felt sorry for you, then what did they feel for her, <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's a great question. Yeah. Well, you know, it's like punishment for her. Good grief. That's so unfair to her. Wasn't it? Well, they, they thought the world of her and they thought the world of me too, but they just kind of figured that she may be a good match. I don't know if they knew, but your mother had always wanted to preach, uh, wanted to marry a preacher. I don't know if they knew that at the time. That may have, might've have been it too, as well.
0: Had you actually, so this is early 72. Um, mm-hmm. Had you actually started doing some preaching at that point? Yeah, I've I've done some absolutely. Okay, Prayed you had that. this was sure. so that you were working at the phone company about that time. You met Jerry Love. Yeah, uh, they he and his friends were ministry types, and you started yeah. hanging out with them. So right. you're saying that you had started to dabble some in preaching. Yeah, um, I'd, I'd done that since the since 1969. Oh, okay. So you you'd been doing that. Since since John Hubbard first invited you to help teach a class mm-hmm. when you were 16 and you said some things at the Lord's Supper table when you were 16, you're saying that you had started to get some opportunities to, to preach or to speak. And so uh, are you saying that by the time you met mom in January 72, you already had an idea at that point that you would like to go into ministry I oh, for your you, life's man. work? i
1: okay. was thinking about
0: it yeah and john was was john temple uh you said he was a youth minister at that time he worked with the youth um
1: i think john was probably preaching somewhere too but, but I just all the there's so many john was doing so many good things um it's just kind of i'm just kind of it's just kind of foggy all the details he may have been he may have been doing youth work at west National heights church of christ at that time I, I'm pretty sure. Otherwise, why would he be there? Right? Yeah. He, he, in fact, he was, he was the Bible class teacher for your mom and in, in the, in the boys and girls her age.
0: That's where it came from. Yeah. She's uh, four years younger than you, right? Four and a half. Okay. So you would have been, a, you would have been a, uh, almost 22. She would have been almost 18 when That's you met. Correct. Got she it. was, uh,
1: she turned 18 in 1972. September
0: 17th. Yep. Yep. Uh, So did you have um, did you have any um, I lost the question that I wanted to ask you about that. Okay, so you went skating. You said mom would say it was a bad date because you didn't know how to skate very well. She was skating around. I mean did you did the two of you have any time to yourselves on that first date just to talk to each other? just talk small talk just small talk and so after after the date after we
1: all went back home life returned to normal of course i thought well okay that was that was nice yeah Time time to do something else now and john said uh well what'd you think i said she was okay really yeah she was okay and uh, i was more interested in what she may maybe thought of me yeah. um Uh, your mom would have to answer that question but um john John said he said i think she may be interested in you you need to ask her out again and i thought really so anyway I, i followed up and i was still shy and i had to push myself to give her a call but i gave her a call and we went out again. I can't tell you where we went. I think we went to a basketball game, a college basketball game. We went, you know. I was trying to impress her with the fact that it was college, you know. Yeah. I was not in college at the yeah. time. So um,
0: anyway, uh, we one thing just led to another. Here we are. I'll, the last question I ask you, and we'll pick up with with this next time, is how long before you and mom were a couple I mean how long did you just kind of date and and until you were an actually an item you were together well um pretty fast or did it take a while
1: pretty quick yeah I'd say three to six months that that your mom went off to free Hardiman in the fall of, of 72 and so that you're talking about nine months in there, and I got, you know, we, we got pretty close, and I talked to her every day. Sometimes, I don't know if I saw her every day, but I, at least we talked to her, but we were pretty much a couple. Um, I forget when she, when we stopped dating other people. I don't, I really don't remember that, mm-hmm. but she could probably, she probably has a better memory than I do on that.
0: Yeah. Okay, well, that's what we'll pick up next time. We're gonna, I said we were gonna get to Akron today, but we didn't. There was way too much uh, interesting stuff to hear from you about uh, your late teen years and early adult years. But uh, next time we will we will get into uh, what it was like to date and get engaged to mom and get married, and that was all happening at the same time that you went back to college, chose your major, which was Christian education, I believe, and started to imagine. Uh, it Sounds like a different kind of life for yourself than you had before uh you bottomed out uh yeah. in 71 and uh maybe that'll get us to akron uh next time we next yeah. time we talk.
1: Things really started moving quick.
0: Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So
1: it's getting good. It's getting it's getting good. Yeah, you're you're in the story there somewhere too. So
0: yeah, looking forward to, to that. Pretty good after
1: that happens. Yep.
0: Yeah. All right. Well Thank you for listening to Dad's Decades, episode number five. Next time, we'll pick up at the start of 1972, when Dad met my mom and the course of his life changed forever. You'll find out how Dad decided to go back to college. And more important, you'll find out why Dad gave up his original college major, accounting, to pursue something that surprised even him, a degree in Christian education. That pursuit would lead Dad to a calling and career he said he would never accept under any circumstances, becoming a Church of Christ preacher. How did it all play out? Tune in next time, and we'll find out together.